0: What's up, Atlanta sports fans? I'm Graham Waldrop, and alongside me, as always, is Adam Kalal, and we are Atlanta Zone, Two Atlanta natives recapping the week that was in Atlanta professional sports. Wacky-ass hijinks and analysis. Adam, how's it going, sir?
1: It's going well, Graham. Glad that you brought me back this week after I bailed on the draft a little early.
0: You know, I thought that was really unfair, honestly, when you did that, because you never know what can happen in the draft, Adam. Thomas Mietzhoff has shown that he's likely to make a move, either move back, Like, what would have happened had we moved back in the draft and we, like, traded, I don't know, um, a second or no, traded our first round pick, uh, but you had into like, the the second or third round, and you wouldn't have been there the next day, and neither would have I, and, you know, sounds like. You you shouldn't have left. Like, you have to (laughs) stay until the decisions have
1: been fully made. Well, now that you say that, what would have happened if we had traded back in the draft?
0: We probably would have ended up with the same guard and the same tackle. So yeah, I think a lot of people think we reached yeah considerably for especially McGarry um the 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 tackle that we got in the in the end of the, the first round. I guess we're just good, we should, we're just going to jump into yeah. It. We'll, yeah let's skip the preamble. We'll nix our little Yeah, fuck the preamble. And, like this is some serious business okay. here.
1: Yeah, so I agree, but I I liked their reasoning behind it. Mm. W- that they're just like, look, we're not messing around. We didn't think he was going to be there at 45.
0: We need a tackle. Yeah, and you know what? I mean, it's like I said last week, uh, after you abandoned me, pretty much that we we had bitched and bitched for years about Dimitrov not handling the trenches effectively, offensive line or defensive line. You know what? We had a shitty offensive line last year. Uh, we had a lot of injuries at guard. Uh, we had inefficient tackle play with the exception of Jake Matthews. So... I think that even though, yeah, maybe we reach for McGarry, I agree. Like, why risk it? We, you know, Matt Ryan was sacked forty-two times last year, and we had the, you know, we're twenty-seventh in rushing in the NFL. We clearly had a lot of problems that you can trace back to the offensive line, and Thomas has hopefully addressed those problems with these two guys. And plenty of people said that Chris Lindstrom, even though maybe it was a reach to draft him at fourteen, is going to be a very good good guard that you can plug and play immediately. So. Plus, you got. You got to I'm happy. in terms of like what a reach is, it's like
1: based on these pre-draft rankings for a bunch of players that have never actually played in the NFL before. Right. Like we, the Falcons were supposed to take Glenn Dorsey instead of Matt Ryan, you know, right. according to the according to the all pundits. the experts. Yeah, where the fuck's Glenn Dorsey and where the fuck's Matt Ryan? Exactly. So <laughs> these things and, and like you draft based.
0: I mean, I agree with drafting based on what your team needs. Yeah, I mean, I'm fine with best player available, but at the same time, you have to consider your holes. And that's why I'm always a proponent of kind of, you know, best player available that fits your need within, to a certain extent. And I think that there was still, I mean, who's the guy that you really liked who was still available from Clemson? Uh, Dexter Lawrence. Dexter Lawrence was still there. You definitely. So, so when, when Graham and I were watching that,
1: we had mentioned on the podcast before Dexter Lawrence actually got drafted, I'd said that, That's who I wanted us to take. And Graham didn't really know who he was. But then once the Giants drafted him at like 17, I think, um, and they were showing the highlights of Dexter Lawrence, and he's just this big, beefy D-tackle. Oh, he would have been a
0: great compliment for him. And it's like,
1: oh, that's exactly what we need. Yeah. So he he would have been nice, I I do have to say. And then probably could have got traded up for Lindstrom,
0: and maybe Gary would have been there in the second round. Right, right. But who knows? Yeah, I mean it's tough to play hind, hind, hindsight game at this point. Uh, it's fruitless to do so because um, you know we made the, the draft pick and it is what it is. And uh, it is interesting. Like Brandon Fusco got cut apparently in yeah. the last couple of days. So we spent I, like we spent a shit so ton much of time money. talking about. Well, I was
1: just thinking about oh, our, our personal podcast. Oh, time sure. How yeah. often we talk? Oh, we got this Fusco guy coming in. Is it Fusco? Fusco? Fusco yeah. Fusco? I mean, yeah. Big deal out of I it. I think it's Fusco.
0: Yeah, and then he sucked. So yeah, that kind of uh, answered. He, suck. he just got he got hurt and he was average. Yeah, we're we're hoping that now with with Lindstrom and Brown and um, Carpenter that we have the guard position solidified. Um, and and just the fact that if injury happens, we have depth this year. Yeah, and that was something Thomas you know bitched about a lot uh, in interviews and rightly rightfully so. It's like we didn't have the depth there, and now feels like we do. Yeah, they don't we that, to, they don't want to be in that situation again. Right, and it is interesting, though, that we spent a lot of money in free agency on the uh, offensive line, and we also maybe we didn't spend that much money, but we did acquire a lot of pieces in free agency on the defensive line. So I guess the point I'm trying to make here is that we we did try to address two points of... of Weakness, our biggest points of weakness probably last year with, was on the trenches. However, um, you know, we didn't draft uh, defensive tackle, which I think people really wanted. We did draft a defensive end in the fourth round, John Kaminsky. Kaminsky. Um, well, he seems like an interesting case, Graham. You want yeah. to explain to the users who this John Kaminsky guy is? Yeah, he's a guy from uh, University of Charleston, not College of Charleston, but University of Charleston in West Virginia. Had a pretty good career. Um, it's a D2 school. D2 school, but had a pretty good career in D2. And, um, you know, I don't know much else about him other than everybody really likes his pedigree okay. and his background. So but, he, he, uh, here's the ahead. kicker with him he, yeah.
1: he, he came in as a
0: 180 pound quarterback mm.
1: and put on like 70 plus pounds Jesus, God. by himself, like eating Little Caesars pizzas. That's some so, dedication. So came in as a quarterback, exited as a D end. Played D tackle as well. So, and uh, there were a lot of teams that were pretty high on this guy. And going into the draft, um, there were a lot of articles out there on this kid saying that he could be the sleeper pick of the draft. And, um,
0: and, we've, and we've had good success in the fifth round before. I mean, you think about, you know, Grady was a fifth round pick.
1: Right. Well, he was fourth. This, this Kaminsky guy was fourth round. Oh, right? he was fourth round. Yeah, Sorry. We, yeah. We, we we traded up to get we traded him. up to get him, but he felt like a fifth because we had two fourth round. Right. Picks, so, um, so I think the Falcons' idea is that you get him off the Little Caesars beef up diet and get him into a professional environment with actual strength and conditioning coaches and dietitians and all that jazz that he could still put on more weight.
0: Yeah, and he had a great forty time for. Point six nine, so you gotta like his speed there uh, on the defensive end. Um, he had one hundred and forty tackles over the last couple seasons too. I mean, like you gotta take all that with a grain of salt. I mean, we've seen plenty of guys perform well at the combine, have good combine times for a defensive tackle, defensive end, et cetera. Um, but I like where he's where he comes from and what he um, you know potentially could bring to the table. Uh, I think he's probably going to start off on special teams, but. Uh, he's a guy that's certainly worth evaluating as as we go along, and uh, McGarry. You know, it was really I, I like uh, so I think let's start with Lindstrom. I mean, I think I mean I know we've talked about him enough, but we needed that. We needed a fucking guard, and as much and even though that we we signed two guards in the off season, it's like yeah, you got your death pieces now, and I am I think that Lindstrom certainly profiles more especially for the future of the franchise than the other two guards that we signed so it's nice that we actually have we'll hopefully have a homegrown guard that can be here for the rest of Matt Ryan's career and beyond hopefully Um, as opposed to like oh we just got to sign these guys off the street because we don't draft offensive linemen or either we don't draft them well we don't draft them at all We, we have a little hope now with these two guys right um there's been a, a little controversy around McGarry with like your boy D Led. D Led hates McGarry. Like he he pulled
1: the card on a bunch of guys working out, so I don't think he's a very good pick. Well, he he's taking. A, it's like an unnamed source for the people who haven't heard this story, uh, who was some NFL executive. Um, all. D led apparently asked him for, "Do you have any dirt on McGarry?" Mm -hmm. Which in itself, oh, that's a that's a great question to ask D led. A lot of integrity there. So yeah, so this unnamed scout was talking about how he's socially awkward and he doesn't think he's going to adjust to the big city, the big big city city of of Atlanta, Atlanta. and he's coming from Seattle, which is a bigger city than Atlanta. Um, And yeah, he told the story about him cutting the cord where. In the weight conditioning, like one day they would do rap music and then it was supposed to be White Boy Wednesdays.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: and White Boy Wednesdays. He comes into the weight room on White Boy Wednesdays and they're playing rap music mm-hmm. and he cuts the cord. And in the, the way that it was put in the article was like it was this terrible thing. He, he wasn't r- outright saying racist, but it was kind of implied, implied a little bit. Yeah. Um, but then when you actually talk to the people that, like the media from the Seattle area that worked with this kid for four years and his ex-teammates, they all stood up for him and say that's completely wrong. That was funny when that happened. Right. And he was one of the best interviews on that. It was the Huskies, right?
0: Yeah, Washington yeah, Huskies. Washington. Yeah, Washington.
1: So it was just complete nonsense.
0: Yeah, I think the one – I mean, I think that's a bunch of bullshit, and, and I, I wish that uh, d Led wasn't trying to stoop at such a level. It's one thing for, you know – Part of if you're part of the organization to be like, hey, is there any skeletons in this kid's closet? It's another for a reporter trying to get a story to do that. I mean, I think that's kind of, I don't know. You think that's kind of shady? Yeah,
1: yeah. Well, Also, well, don't you think? I mean, and he just ran with that story instead of like, oh, let me check with some people that actually know this kid, right? Cross on cross, the West refer- coast. cross reference yeah. that shit.
0: Yeah. Um, he, I think he was just
1: upset that his mock drafts were so wrong, and he wanted that kid out of Georgia that didn't even end up going in the. Uh, first round.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, so he started all four years at the University of Washington. Um, he was voted the best blocker in the Pac-12 by opposing defensive linemen. So that's got to speak something for him. Really tall guy, six seven. That's that's really tall for a for an offensive line lineman. Um, supposed to be an excellent athlete. Uh, one of the the things that people have kind of said is a, is a little bit of a shortcoming for him is he has Tyrannosaurus arms, short arms um so sam baker sam baker like there's been a lot of comparisons to sam baker so also a pac-12 guy at a usc so um you know maybe there's a little something there that you don't like but i don't know i mean he seems he seems to check all the boxes to me as a as a as a tackle minus the short arms but i mean if he can be that athletic too at six seven and a little over 300 pounds i mean you gotta think he can be uh you know hopefully have a major impact and one of the things too is is like anyone but Ty Sambreo. Even though I know we signed him to like a three year extension. It's like he only played in like well in like two or three games last year, and I was very worried about the tackle position uh, heading into the off season. So even though I'm glad about Lindstrom and I think he's going to fit in nicely and his probably profiles would be better than McGarry right now, at least from the peripherals, I am really happy that we also have a tackle now because I thought going into the season with with Sambreo would be only you know as your opposite tackle. To Jake Matthews would be a mistake, and the thing I like about both of these guys,
1: and I thought it was big on uh, Dimitrov for being honest. We've got a little honesty out of these two recently. Uh, they admitted that we were we've been soft on the o line, mm-hmm. like ever pretty much since um, uh, what was it, Ty- Claybo? Um, Oh, Tyson Claybo. Tyson Claybow and who's that other? Harvey Dahl. Harvey Dahl. Like those those two, guys. they were just nasty. They'd no. play like past the whistle. Mm-hmm. They're dirty. That's what we need on the offensive yeah. line. And it seems like this uh, McGarry guy. Is it McGarry or McGreary? McGarry. McGarry. No. Yeah, it seems like he might have a little bit of that. So... I mean, there, how many situations do we have the past few years where we just need one yard, a third and one, and we can't do it?
0: Yeah, and that's really— And we're running a toss. Right. Sweep play. We're running a toss because the interior of the line is soft. Because you're thinking, oh, your swing tackles, your more athletic guys can get you there, and they can't either, which, which has been frustrating. So you're hoping that now that you have a guy bigger. like Chris Lind- Lindstrom, um, that he will be able to uh, you know, get us those extra yards that we need. And we know we've seen, you're exactly right, we've seen that for years where it's like third and one, third and two, end of the game, we can't get it going back to the Mike Smith era and beyond. And um, incredibly frustrating. So hopefully these guys can really uh, come in and and add something to the the running game in particular. But, uh, and obviously the pass game, but I, I think it's also worth noting that Lindstrom has started at tackle and at guard. So you're hoping that, and a lot of people think he has, you know, uh, incredible overall speed for a for an interior lineman you know a speed that normally a tackle would possess so i mean i think everything i'm hearing about Lindstrom seems to be like he is an excellent excellent player and i really like I'm, I'm really happy with that pick honestly he had a um a
1: quote talking about Matt Ryan and whether or not the two of them have ever met with the BC connection mm-hmm. and he had said like no not personally but he came to like speak at a meeting um, like a team a BC team meeting a couple of years ago and you could tell Matt Ryan still had that Boston College pride, and Lindstrom really respected that, and he, he said something along the lines of "I'm going to be honored to block a fellow block for a fellow um, Eagle. BC alum." Yeah. Um, so I thought that was pretty cool. I think that'll be a good connection for those those guys.
0: Yeah, that's great. Um, so we also and so in order to get McGarry, we we traded second or the third round pick, right? Yeah. And I think that's why that pick will always be uh, heavily scrutinized. But it's really just trading
1: a third round pick.
0: Hmm. How so? Because... McGarry was pretty much a second round pick at that point? Or?
1: No, because you're not trading... Because you're getting a first round pick back. Yeah. So it's like you're swapping the second for the first, we, and then... We got a
0: first round pick back, too. Well, we got a first round well, pick. I
1: understand that for this, so but of, not a future oh, pick. Right. Okay, exactly. yeah, start over. <clears throat> all right. So we had a second and a third, right? right. Oh. And we got a one. Mm-hmm. Which we used to sign McGarry. Which we used to sign McGarry. We mm-hmm. got rid of the two. Right. Which, so that's like the one and the two flip-flopping. Right. So the only extra value there is the third round pick. So it's essentially you're trading a third oh, round pick. I see what you're saying. Okay. So yeah, not the end of the world. But. Yeah, if it had been like a future second and third round pick, right. that's a different story. Right, right
0: that's fair. So, yeah, we traded a third round pick for him basically. Okay. In the in the but I think people are still going to talk about that, right? I think they're still going to think about even though I agree with what you're saying, it's still like giving up two picks. You no, know, you're giving up one pick. because well, you're, you're getting a pick back. I know. 2 minus 1. 2 is minus one. 1. Yeah. Okay, I hear you. <laughs> but who knows if there could have been other people we could have used for second and third round pick that may have Filled another hole, or been better, or whatever. We'll never know. But I'm just saying. Like I think people are still going to hold until McGarry really shows out. Even if he does, I think he's always going to receive a heavy amount of scrutiny. Sure, moving forward this year, both of these guys will. Yeah, been, like, it was so funny watching. Like uh, we got a a couple of videos sent of people reacting to the uh, to the pick for for Lindstrom, and one of which was uh, in the. I think at, at Mercedes Benz when people were were going there to watch the drafts. and always it was like season t- it was like season ticket holders. You yeah. were standing around the monitor or the monitor's huge ass screen probably cost millions of dollars. And it was like Chris Lindstrom and it just pans over to them and it's just total silence. Well, the best part of that was that they did the big horn.
1: Chris Lindstrom, and no one's doing anything. <laughs> but it's a boring pick. Yeah, you know, like. If it had been Calvin Ridley, people get excited about Calvin Ridley, but do we need Calvin Ridley? We have Calvin Ridley. I know, but like Like a Calvin Ridley-esque player. That that was a player people got excited about. But, yeah, maybe we should have done what the Colts did last year and stock up on those O-linemen like we did this year. Mm -hmm. So we needed to have this
0: draft that just seems kind of blah at first glance. Right. Um, So let's go to the other fourth-round pick that we got, which was uh, Kendall Sheffield out of Ohio State, cornerback, um, 6 feet, 193 pounds. Um, Seems to be a decent overall prospect, although a lot of people think he's going to be a project um, in terms of being able to make him into a true NFL player. Uh, But, I mean, I don't really know anything about the kid, so I can't really speak to him. I've
1: heard that So he was originally committed to Alabama he was like the number one Mm -hmm. uh rated cornerback um didn't get the playing time transferred to Ohio State and he's supposed to be just fast as all get out but like you said raw yeah so bit of a project
0: yeah it doesn't seem to be much of a ball hawk uh just two interceptions both in the 2018 season um only 15 passes defended so you gotta wonder um where I mean even though it seems like you're right he does possess immense speed um I don't know. He's probably not going to be a guy that comes in the starts or anything like that. It's probably going to be Oliver and uh, and True I would assume, and KZ as your nickel corner if if Keanu is is healthy and so is uh, Ricardo Allen. So we'll see what happens with this kid. I mean, we've we've had kind of mixed results of drafting corners with Thomas. Um, you know, I think KZ profiles really nicely and and um, but, you know, we've been burned a little bit by Alford. And Trufant was really good for a while, but now he seems to be flaming out. So I don't know. I don't know what to think about this pick. Cornerback um, is definitely an area of need that we, we we had to address, I feel like, in the draft um, if we weren't going to address their free agency. So we'll see how the kid does.
1: Yeah, you talking about um, just the secondary in general. Reminds me, back to that conversation about uh, if McGeary and uh, Lindstrom are reaches. Mm-hmm. Remember when we drafted Keanu Neal? Yeah. How much people hated that oh, pick? Oh, yeah. Everybody thought It was, it was like, awful. oh, he's like a second or third rounder, maybe.
0: No, he's one of the most intimidating safeties in yeah. the NFL. So, so,
1: I mean, we've got to trust the football people at some point, you know? Right,
0: exactly. I mean, there's only so much scrutiny you can cast upon these picks. When the majority of the time that, you know, I, I think that's why we're trying to be, like, objective as we can about this, just because... We don't know jack shit about these kids. Thomas and his team, and I don't defend Thomas that often, but Thomas and his team has spent hundreds and hundreds of hours evaluating tape and looking at these guys. So we got—I mean, like, even if he has struck out at certain points in his career, you're not going to land every fucking pick, and some of these guys probably aren't going to make the either make the team or contribute in a major way this year. But Jesus God, I mean, who knows? Who knows at this point? And at the very least, our top two picks were used to address you know, one of the worst parts of our football team. And I think that alone you have to take some solace in, for Christ's sake. Still on those top two picks, though, and
1: this actually all plays in about how no one knows. There were two very differing uh, expert opinions on these draft picks. Mm. There was one loser. um, (laughs) (laughs) Loser expert. Yeah, who was saying that he's like, yeah, both of these guys could be, like, starting caliber in, like, two to three years. Which would be unacceptable. Like. That is unacceptable. <laughs> These guys, and, and either of them. They both need
0: to be starting. They need to. I mean, it's going to be – it's definitely going to be a battle in training camp. Sure. But. I mean, you can't discount Simbreo. Uh, I mean, as much as you want to. He's still a guy that can come out and yeah. compete. You can't obviously discount Brown or Carpenter. One of them is going to be starting at the other guard position. Yeah. So – So that was that loser's take on it, which
1: I don't think many Falcons fans would be cool with that. No. But then there's this other guy who's, like, the director of the Senior Bowl. And, like, he's been a scout for, like, the Patriots, the Redskins, and one other team. So you'd think he would would know how to evaluate players. And he said both of those guys... They're going to be starters for the Falcons for the next ten years, and possibly Pro Bowler the next year or two. So
0: two opposite ends of the spectrum. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
1: So whatever opinion we throw out there also doesn't matter. Right. We'll just see what happens once they start playing. Exactly.
0: Uh, also, so our last two, or excuse me, last three picks: two fifth-round picks and a sixth-round pick. Cadre uh, Allison, running back; Jordan Miller, at corner. Marcus Green at running back. I know nothing about these last three guys at all. Um, interesting that we drafted two running backs. I got you, Graham. Go uh, ahead. Quadri
1: Allison, uh, the running back, uh, this is going to be a good one. Uh, he's from Pitt, and he's a big boy. I think he's like 230, 240, something like that, hmm. and uh, An 225. Back. So this is our guy. And, and and he like was a beast his freshman year, but then he was uh, stuck behind – the running back who blew up for the uh, Steelers this past year.
0: Oh, I know what you're talking about. I, c- I can't place his name. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Uh, and then he came back this, this his senior year and had some success. So this is going to be our guy on third and one when we need to pick up that run, that one yard. Mm-hmm. This is the guy you put out there. Mm-hmm. And he, he can all. he's also played fullback as well. Um, so it just shows that we're, we're just going to much more of a power running game, which I'm excited about. Right. This I've, is I've, our T.J.
0: Duckett group. Okay. Yeah, I mean – Looking him up now, and he had excellent last season. 194 carry, uh, excuse me, 194 carries, 11 touchdowns, uh, 1200 plus rushing yards. I mean, that checks all the boxes in terms of being a, an effective running back, at least from the you know really super surface level statistics we can we can see on him. Um, so cool. I mean, if he can come in and have an impact, that would be nice. I mean, I think he'll probably compete with Brian Hill. Um, and and who knows? Maybe he makes a major contribution if if uh, Devonte can't get healthy. Yeah, I was gonna say we, we can't trust Devonte to stay healthy all yeah. year. and it'll be interesting too to see how he fits some of the Ido. You know, you have the, you have him, you have Ido, you have Devonte. So he he would in theory be the change of pace back. Right, and then um, what else we got? Uh, Jordan Miller. I think he, he's, a spe- he's a big he's a big speed guy as well. I mean, some good corners will come out of Washington. The whole True Font family. That's all I got. That's about it. Uh, yeah, don't know much about Jordan Miller. That last running back though uh, had it appears that he uh, broke his fibula, which ended his season prematurely uh, in his junior year, and then last year, twelve games started, twenty six tackles, and an interception. So you just soundboards talking. I about am Jordan. Bored Miller. Talking. I mean, I don't know anything about him. I mean. Last kid, yeah. the, last kid though, that
1: running back, uh, yeah. what's his name? Marcus Green, uh, special teams guy. Mm. He's a beast of a punt returner. We could
0: sh- sorely use a guy who's a good punt returner. We haven't had one of those since. It was I mean, Devin Hester was okay, but he wasn't anything you know special for us. He had that one touchdown return against Tampa Bay, and that's about it. Yeah, and then we all know the disaster. That's happened over the last few years. I mean, Alan Rossum was our last good punt returner. in Ar baby, uh, two thousand four. Yeah, this kid's supposed to be
1: uh, pretty dynamic back there. So I'm cool. I, mean, I don't, we don't see him as much of a running back. I don't think, but uh, special teamer, and then returner. That's pretty much all I got on the draft, Graham. But what were your your overall thoughts?
0: I thought it was interesting. Uh, like I said going all in on the offensive line was entirely unexpected. I thought we'd draft a defensive tackle. Thomas always seems to surprise, right? Who the fuck thought we would draft Calvin Ridley really last year? Who would have thought we would drafted two offensive linemen in the first round this year? Um, I'm pleased, I think, overall. And I think the other guys, you know, no, no disrespect to them, but I don't think they're coming in having to, you know, really do so much to help us win this year, maybe with the exception of uh, – maybe with the exception of Quadri Allison, you know, he can definitely be a dark horse in terms of really adding a lot to the team uh, yeah. this year. But so those guys, hopefully, you know, they can develop and become nice pieces. Maybe Marcus Green can contribute as a uh, punt returner this year as well. But Lindstrom and Gary, all eyes are on them, and let's see if Thomas's bet pays off. And I'm, but I am excited. To go into uh, rookie camp, which I think starts this week, and uh, also going into you know OTAs and whatnot, and seeing how these guys perform. I mean, I, I can't say I've ever been as a Falcons fan. I can't say I've ever like gone into the season being like, oh man, I'm really looking forward to seeing how our offensive line works. I'm usually like Jesus Christ our offensive line. So yeah,
1: it, it could come together. Like like I was saying mm-hmm. about the Colts, this is exactly what they did last year. They drafted two offensive linemen in the first round. They went from like a five-win team to playoffs and looking really solid. Andrew Luck went from getting sacked 41 times. Getting lacerated kidneys. To
0: seven. Right, which was outstanding. That's absurd. Yeah, and I mean the Cowboys also, you know, they drafted a ton of offensive linemen over the years and had top-tier offensive linemen. I mean, Zeke Elliott's a great running back, but I mean you go back to DeMarco Murray too, and and they've had since they started – drafting a lot of offensive linemen. I mean, their running game has just taken a huge step forward. So not only has it proved effective to invest heavily in the offensive line for the passing game, but also the running game. And we have a great quarterback. We have you know a great running back when he's healthy. So our offense could take a huge step forward this year. These guys are up to snuff. Yeah,
1: put those Dallas running backs behind Zane Beatles and Ty Sambrello and see how they do. Yeah,
0: and James Stone. Yeah. Right. So, yeah, I mean, I'm content with it. I'm not going to say I'm super excited. Yeah, I'm not blown away, but I don't think that was the point of this draft, yeah. right? It was it was to solidify positions of absolute need moving forward, which hopefully we have. Let's move on to those mediocre Atlanta Braves, Adam. I mean, when was the last time we won a fucking series? I remember a couple splits. And we split with the Padres after that awful game today. What did we lose? We lost two or three to the Rockies. Did we lose two or three to the Reds. We lost two or three to the Reds. Last time we won a series was against the Cleveland. Indians. We, we we had to pull that game out of our ass. Yeah, that Saturday to game. Get there. Uh, this is a mediocre baseball team right now, overall, and our record shows at fifteen and sixteen. Good news is is that the rest of the division is also suffering from a uh, you know lack of consistency. Oh I man,
1: I, I am so happy about Bryce Harper getting booed the other night in Philly. I heard about that. Is he scuffling? I don't really. Yeah. it Yeah. He's good. back to hitting his standard 240. Getting a uh, walk
0: every other game. He's, Keep his on base percentage.
1: He still to, had cycles. him and Charlie Culberson still had the same WAR. Point two. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And this is the man they paid three hundred thirty million dollars for. Yeah, you're stuck with him, Philly, for like, the rest of for fifteen of your life. years. Like we told you, he sucked. What were you thinking? Well, he he's, sucks. Not, he's not that good. He made a, a defensive miscue that they oh, booted really? him for,
0: too. Beautiful. He's not a good teammate. Adam, you are so well-informed. I mean, like, I, I can't believe all this knowledge you're, you're dropping right now. I'm really proud of you. I, I just thought everyone knew about this stuff. Oh, I would, I would, maybe I'm fucking up now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's your turn to, 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 to carry the lid. Yeah.
1: Um, but it just makes me happy. Like, things like that, like... I search for the failure in our rivals. Oh, of course, as and you should. That brings me a lot of joy.
0: Yes, that is very fair.
1: Um, but, yeah, I feel like right now we're a team. Um, we haven't figured out our identity yet, you know?
0: And I think there's an identity thing. I mean, like, I think the offense is still overall doing really, really well. Um, you know, the Padres series, we didn't score more than, uh, more than five runs uh, in a game. But. You know, we, we're competing with everybody we're playing against. I mean, honestly, we could have easily won two or three from the Reds and two or three from the Rockies. It's just the the the, the freaking bullpen has been, you know, once again, really hit or miss. It's like last night, Josh Tomlin was outstanding. Bases loaded. He did dodge a bullet with a uh, changeup to Manny Machado that was right down the middle, that if Machado had not been out in front of by like a whisker, he would have hit a grand slam. However, he didn't. It was a changeup. Yeah. That's why he was out in front. And then, and then he, uh, with, with Hunter Renfro, struck him out with a beautiful inside corner pitch. That really, you know, uh, I think solidified the game there. But I I mean, I think the offense is still fine, even though I know Donaldson's got a calf strain right now and everybody's freaking out about it. It's not the calf he had surgery on, it's the other one. So people just need to slow the roll there a little bit. I th- hopefully, uh, all indications point to him playing this weekend in Miami. So I'm hoping that once we go to the Marlins, we can win that series, get back on the you know the winning winning a series would be. Yeah, nice. we, a, we really need to win a series. We, we need the Marlins. So. Yeah, this is a perfect time for the Marlins. Yeah. and the good news is is that it's still really early, and no one has taken a commanding lead in the NL East. We're still only two and a half games back out of first place to to Philadelphia, and they have plenty of problems themselves. Uh, Nationals are are, are dropping like flies right now, 13, 17. Marlins are out of it. Scherzer, Scherzer, Scherzer might be did, done. Scherzer is getting older. This is the first time I've really seen him start to break down. Has an ERA well over four. His whip isn't good. He's not striking out guys I, like he used to. I do. mean, buddy, he's like 35 years old. Yeah, I mean, he's he's thrown a lot of innings. He's been very durable. He's been a top-five pitcher in baseball for the last seven or eight years. See, all, all these
1: aces, the, the Braves were supposed to go out and get a guy like that. Like him...
0: Kluber just broke his forearm. Kluber just broke his
1: forearm. Nola's still been sucking. Um, DeGrom's been bad. Chris Sale's trying to
0: right the ship. Chris Sale's been bad. Overall, he's had a bad season so far. Um,
1: Blake Snell, the reigning AL Cy Young award Mm -hmm. winner, has like a 5 ERA. Yeah. And uh, lo and behold, the Braves have a couple young studs.
0: Yeah, I'm really – you know, everybody's – freaking out about Soroka, and I think he's looked good. But, I mean, Max Fried has looked like a goddamn ace. Like, I haven't seen a Braves pitcher pitch like this in a very, very long time to the point where I was like, whoa, shit. Like, this is like, um, you know, I haven't seen a Braves pitcher like dominate a game like this since Chris Medlin when he went on his run in, like, 2012.
1: How do you feel, and, and this is a very, very lofty... Name to throw out there, but it was I wasn't the one to do it. He's gotten some Tom Glavin comparisons mm. as a lefty. I do He obviously throws harder than. Yeah, Tom I was like, I don't think. Did.
0: I mean, but he has not had the change. But, but up. his command, but, his command is great.
1: But that slide, he's got the slider coming along now. So yeah, he's got curveball.
0: three pitches that he can control. Yeah, he doesn't throw his changeup a lot, or his or his slider as much as I thought he would. But his fastball curveball right now is so. The disparity between those two pitches are just outstanding in the sense that they're so different. His arm slot's the same. I mean, when you really slow it down and really look at his mechanics and, and raw delivery, it's just it's really hard to pick up the ball off of him to me when I'm watching him pitch. Like, I don't know what he's going to throw. Sometimes guys have a tell in the way their arm – you know, you can see like a split second sort of thing where it's like, oh, it's a little bit tilted or a little bit for or whatever that you can – you know, you start tipping off pitches. He's not tipping off anything. He, he's just really high in his pitches mixing them up well. I mean, he threw like – the other – last night he threw like two or three curveballs in a row and I had no idea he was going to throw them and, and they were all fantastic pitches. So, I, I mean, you, you look at what he's doing. Uh, a whip under one. I mean, thats unfucking un-fucking-believable. And for those who don't remember, walks, hits per innings, pitches, whip. So that is less than one per inning. That is outstanding.
1: It's a lot of one, two, three innings.
0: Yeah, and I mean, I remember uh, last night. I was, I was, uh, I can't remember what I was doing, but I was watching the game. I think I was eating or something. I looked at something on my phone for like, what it felt like, I don't know. Twenty seconds. I looked up, and the inning was over, and there was only like one hour I looked at my phone. And I was like, "Holy shit!"
1: Yeah. <laughs> I
0: mean, I don't look at my phone that often during games, but I was was then, and I was like, "Wow, Jesus!" I mean, I mean, he has been so wonderful, and he's going deep into games. There's only been one start where he hasn't gotten out of the fifth inning this year, so he looks wonderful. I mean, he had a little blister thing going on last night, but because that was more of just a cut. Yeah, more of just. a... I don't think it was like a full blown blister thing, but I mean. What, what what can't you say about the guy? And, and the thing that I love too is just a lack of walks. Last two starts, no walks. Um, fantastic. So, how do you?
1: What are your thoughts on the big controversy from this past week with Freed and Soroka, where the where your boy um, Snicker
0: pulled them? I disagree with both moves. I think Soroka was incredibly dominant that night and to put the game in the uh, the fate of the game in the hands of the bullpen is a risky proposition. I understand why he did it. So well, let's set it up. The scenario uh, for Soroka, I mean, he he was truly just dominating yeah.
1: at that point. Uh, he couldn't be touched. He had thrown, what, 85 pitches, I believe? Yeah. And he was through – he was just through six, right? Yeah, yeah I think it was only – Because Tomlin, yeah, was Tomlin threw two innings. Six um, innings. And bases were loaded with – and he, he was coming up to bat.
0: Yeah, and it worked out, but I think, you know, we always go back to our philosophy, right, where it's like... Oh, it didn't work out in this case because Culber- Culberson lined out. Well, he lined out, but I'm just saying, like, it worked oh, in a sense that of the he game, won the game. Yeah, yeah. But he was so dominant that I would take... And I, was, I thought the same thing about Freed last night. It's like He was so dominant, especially because we also had a 3-1 lead. It wasn't just a one-run lead or we were tied or we were down. Yeah. That would be different. But the fact that he was so... Incredibly down, both of them were just like lights freaking out. I mean, Soroka—that was the best start of the season for him, I think, so far. Uh, eight strikeouts, only one walk, cruising along. Um, I think you gotta let him keep keep pitching. Personally. I personally,
1: at least for the because s- the
0: bullpen's so bad, and yeah. you don't know what they're gonna do; they're inconsistent. But for the
1: for the Soroka situation, I understood Snit- Snitker's explanation, where he said, "A, that was the hardest decision he's had to make all year. B." Soroka threw, like, what, 120-something pitches the last game, and this is a guy who had arm issues last year. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I
0: I get that. I get that, but I'm just saying, from a core baseball standpoint, when someone's dealing like that, you you don't screw that, especially when you have one of the worst bullpens in baseball. You're so old school now, Graham. You got
1: Snicker embracing analytics, and you want him to go old school.
0: In this respect, yeah. I don't think – you don't need – you know, analytics know which way the wind blows. Like, that was a dominant pitching performance. Like, you just know when shit like that happens. If you're a baseball fan or a baseball man or whatever, it's like that's got to be in your gut where you're like, that guy is not getting touched tonight. And that's just my thing. I mean, it worked out. We won both those games. But I think what's more encouraging here or what, you know, the real discussion should be, even though, you know, right, let, before we get into that, what, what, what was your opinion on that? Do you think you should have kept the guys in or – or, what's, what's your thoughts? I get frustrated every time they, they get pulled so early. I think they're babying them a little bit. Yeah. 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 I agree. And that's something that either Anthopolis or Snicker, I can't remember who said that, but it's like, you know, there is really no evidence about limiting a guy's innings or pitch count is really going to, you know, lead to or culminate in him having better health on his arm. Well, I'm just thinking if. There's no great if data. The guys there. back in the 90s and 80s could do it. Shouldn't these guys be able to do it now? They yeah, what's have better
1: the, conditioning, better science, better, better nutrition, equipment. everything. Yeah, why, why could they do it back then but not now?
0: Yeah, I, well, I think guys are throwing a lot harder now than they did back then collectively. I mean, you always had your flamethrowers, you had your Nolan Ryans, your Randy Johnsons, your Roger Clemens, but Smolty threw hard, but Smolty had all types of arm issues too, right? So, I think that's where it probably stems from is that every they're the way people are being taught now is everybody's got to be a flamethrower. There are no Palma Maholms anymore. There are no uh, guys like that or Jamie Moyers, you know, these old school guys who got by on their control when they pitched well. There's no, you know, everybody's throwing the ball 95 miles an hour now. So I, I there, there's a lot more stress on the elbow. So I, I get it, but it's like, are we, you know, are we really at a point where we gotta baby these guys to the point where it's like, well, maybe their arms are gonna blow out anyway, so fuck it. I tell you I what, don't know. After, after watching this Padres
1: series, because um, Tomlin, he's looked really good, and he's a guy that throws like ninety, yeah. but with great location overall and yes. the Padres well I can't remember which night they had one of their starters well, he was right around 90 all night mm-hmm. but he was just hitting those corners
0: all day oh yeah he had a funky name I can't remember his name but yeah I was I was Was imp- that the Mar- the Marge Margevecchius yeah. yeah or whatever his but name I was is. like
1: man I really just appreciate that so much more now than like thinking oh this is, like faulty throw can throw 98 that's yeah. what we need well, I well, want faulty at 93 94 but locating well
0: that's where he was today and he got well, because his slider sucked. Yeah, his slider was was bad. He, you know, he's looked okay. He looked okay in the Rockies uh, game, but he had a bad. He had one bad inning that sort of blew up the whole thing, and then uh, today, you know, just wasn't a good day. But although if Acuna makes that catch in center field, it could be a very different game. However, did and and he he didn't make the catch, and eleven to two loss was was pretty brutal. But. I think I'm much more encouraged by the stability that's now in the rotation, especially with the emergence of Freed and Soroka. And even though Folti hasn't been elite coming back, you still got to feel good with him in the fold considering what he did last year. And you're thinking he's going to be able to hopefully get back to where he was last year or close to it. Um, So I feel good about, you know, three-fifths of our rotation. Right,
1: yeah, and – You've seen what Newcomb's done in the minors the past couple games. He's looked good.
0: He hasn't been walking people. Yeah. Um, I think you keep him there, though. I need to see more from him. I need that to be a consistent thing. Um, so I really want to see more from Newcomb before I'm ready to say, yeah, I'd bring him back. I also don't know where the hell he fits in. <laughs> and that's the same thing with guys like uh, Austin Riley, who's tearing it up in AAA right now. And your boy Adam Duvall has hit, what, seven home runs in the last 12 games Eight or something now. like that? Eight. He did a homer tonight? He homered last night. Last night, man. Yeah, he's he's been looking good. So, I mean... Uh, which brings up the whole Ender question, right, which a lot of people are kind of you know, still getting on Ender, uh, and maybe deservingly so, from, at least from an offensive perspective. But from a, a starting pitching perspective, I feel a hell of a lot better about this team. Offensively, I felt good the whole year. It's just the bullpen. And, you know, we got that Blevins guy we traded for. What's his name? Jerry Blevins. Jerry Blevins. Traded $1 for him, Graham. Oh, one one whole dollar. Shit, sure you can get me for cheaper, you know. But... He came in and promptly walked the first batter that he faced in his first appearance, which was hilarious. Yeah, but then he 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 settled down. He's been he's been fine. Uh, Mentor looked great last night against the Padres, and when I say last night, I mean not uh, the eleven to two loss, but the five to one win. Really shut the door, and it's just so weird. Like this bullpen is just perplexing. It's like you know Jacob uh, Webb comes out. Looks looks great that one day, and then he comes out the next day, and it's just all almost over the place. The
1: yeah, like when I saw Jacob, like, like that game when Blevins when came in and had the one out,
0: and then Jacob Webb just shut the door. I was like, this is our guy. Right. It's like, oh, my God. And uh, and then last night he, he really struggled and almost blew the damn game, and, Dude, and Tomlin cleaned it up. The only true answer is Luke Jackson. Uh-huh. That man still hasn't given up a run since opening day. Yeah, he's been, he's been great. And uh, Dave O'Brien wrote a really good piece in the Athletic uh, either this morning or last night about sort of the journey he's gone on and how he's always kept a, an even even head and uh, really just focused on working on getting better at all times. And uh, I'm really cheering for Luke Jackson now. To read the story, it's it's fantastic. And and especially in the, in the sense that it's like he knows, he hears all this shit on social media. Like these guys are humans, they understand, but they also, you know feel like they can go out there and, and, and do it. And thank God that they believe that because, I mean, if you just look at all the vitriol on social media for these guys, I mean, it's like, and this is coming from someone who is, is way too invested in Atlanta sports. Like my, 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 my car is covered in Atlanta sports bumper stickers. We have a fucking Atlanta sports podcast. I th- I imagine I, there are days when I'm just driving to my car, sitting in traffic for three hours, you know, where I'm imagining winning a World Series or Super Bowl with every, you know, all our friends and stuff and just crying or my mom right. and just crying and losing my mind or or World Series or an NBA championship or whatever and just thinking about how sweet that can be and how much I love this city and how much I love my teams and all this stuff. But I can never, ever bring myself to, like, get on somebody to the point where it's like, it's a fucking game. These are fucking humans and they're also going out and doing their best, the best job they can to try and help win a baseball, football, basketball, soccer game, whatever. It's like is it really worth it to crucify someone over a sporting event? And it's just like I've heard you have a lot of hate for a lot of people. I have on this podcast. Well, yeah, I've had a lot, of, but I'm not going to tell someone to go kill themselves or that I think Oh, that's what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, that they're that they're that they're, they're, they're worthless. I've called people losers, but I mean like You know what I mean? Where it's like to the point where you disparage them so much to the point, especially like when you're at, you know, you're mentioning them on Twitter and stuff, and their Twitter handles, and you're saying like "fuck off," "fuck you," you know, all this. You know what I'm saying? Like the fact that people are doing this all over Braves social media right now is a really dark mark, I think, on 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 us as as Atlanta sports. It's not just Braves social. I know everyone does it, but it's like social media, and I get that, but it's just like. And I've called out Liberty Media plenty of times, but it's like, good God! I you mean, literally like, called them and left a voicemail. We did. We literally called them and left a voicemail, which I never heard back from. By the way, very cordial though. Yeah, but it's 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 just sad. And these bullpen guys, you know, it's not it's not their fault that we don't have like super established people in the bullpen. You know, they're they're going out and doing the best they can. And and one thing that I really loved in the Dave O'Brien article is that there's a there's a quote from Theodore Roosevelt that that is hanging in the bullpen that talks about how. You know, you can hear, I'm paraphrasing here, but you can hear all the outside noise and all this stuff, but those people don't know what it's like. You are the one who makes a difference. Go out and do everything that you can to make it right. And, you know, there's, and, and pity the fool pretty much that doesn't understand that. And that's an inspiring thing for the entire bullpen. And man, you really get a lot better content from this elitist Dude, athletic article. The athletic is great. Like Dave O'Brien writes these. Like you remember, like the Daily Dave O'Brien's that he writes the AJC. It's like it's like that on steroids. Yeah, that's, it, it, that's, it's it's that's fantastic. Nuts. One thing you
1: mentioned in there that I, I wanted to chime in on. Um, when you you said the thing about how you're obviously very passionate. Mm-hmm. You have a Atlanta Sports Podcast for Christ's sake. <laughs> there was a yeah. uh, Saturday, we were at this party, and one of our friends out-of-towners was in town. Mm. This, this guy was from Alaska, and they had gone to the Braves game on Friday night,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and I was talking to him about that, and uh, he was wearing a Braves shirt, bra- clearly brand-new Braves shirt, brand-new Braves hat, And he and I was asking him about that, and he thought I was, like, scoffing at him or something. And he's like, yeah, I feel like a, a bit of a douchebag because I'm, like, wearing clearly a brand-new shirt and hat. I was like, dude, I, I literally co-hosted Atlanta
0: Sports Podcast. i like, I right now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, I'm your guy to talk to, okay? Right. <laughs> That's fantastic. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I think my overall thoughts on the Braves right now. And uh, one thing to mention is I think it's like Cunha slipping a little bit right now. And I'm not too concerned. But one thing I had noticed is is, is that with his stance, his hands are a little farther away from the plate, and uh, and Frank actually mentioned that too. I was like, this it looks like his bat is cocked a little farther back, and it is right now. And it's, it is interesting to see or, him late on pitches that he's normally not late on and not turning on the ball. Yeah, he's getting frustrated.
1: On. Like I mean, he he's missing ninety-two mile an hour fastballs right down the middle. He
0: missed an eighty-eight the other night. Yeah, like some. Something's a little off, and he got the day off. What was that yesterday? Yeah, last night he got the day off. And yeah, you're gonna have your peaks and valleys a little bit. I mean, we saw Acuna struggle a little bit last year, and they turned it on and it was after the All-Star break and it was just unstoppable. So I'm not too concerned, but it is worth mentioning that he is mired in a little bit of a slump. You think it's worth tweaking him a little bit, maybe like move him up or down in the order? No, I think See I if think you can jumpstart him. Well, I mean, I think you know he started off the season really slow. And then he got hot, and now he's a little slow again. But he was
1: hitting the ball at the beginning of the season. That's yeah. true. He
0: was just having you know bad luck yeah. with his bad average of balls in play. So I don't think you you mess he's with He's not him a right guy right we now. worry about. Yeah, I'm not too concerned about him right now. Ozzy, on the other hand, is just tearing the cover off the yeah. ball. Been outstanding. Hit, what, two home runs the other night. Has a three seventy average of the last seven days. I mean, three homers, two homers in that uh, game salvaging or that – Game salvaging series game uh, against the Rockies on Sunday, so he's been outstanding. You know, uh, he's got one of the like the tightest, sweetest swings right now. I'm, I'm just noticing that he's doing a lot more to minimize the, the the length of his swing, and it's and it's really paying dividends. He, he looks wonderful out there because he he kind of tapered off a little bit for a second, but now he's really just hitting the shit out of the ball again. So, And he's not trying to force the initiative. I mean, he's got six home runs right now, but he's not, you know, he's clearly not swinging for the fences. The whole team, Dansby is, is, is getting yeah, back yeah, is still in the yeah. form. Um, Donaldson was doing great before he got injured. So, once again, the offense is is fine, even with Acuna struggling a little bit. And Nick Marcakis is like a man possessed. I am not s- <laughs> I mean, this is taking like what he did last year in the first half and like it's like upping it twofold. I mean he he's he's like an, a hitting machine. He's better than Bryce Harper right now. Yes, he is much better than Bryce Harper. We got a great right fielder. Yeah, well, he's 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 doing incredibly well. Oh,
1: it's still a fun team to watch. A little frustrating right now with the bullpen blowing these leads and
0: yeah. We're having some issues with runners and scoring position. Yeah, as that, well, that's tapered off a little bit. I think we were a couple of days ago. We were like eight for seventy in our last seventy chances for yeah. for runners. In Not ideal. Uh, no. but I, gonna, I think we're gonna, gonna fi- we're gonna figure it out. It's you're gonna a, have moments like yeah. That. It's, it's a young team. We're gonna get it going. We're keeping ourselves in it. That's what's important right now. Right. I mean, plenty of times you've seen teams in baseball have slow Aprils, even slow Mays, but as long as they're hanging around 500 yeah. or a little over 500, they're going to be okay. And I, th-
1: I think Fulte going to figure it out. We, we, we saw him pitch many times uh, great games last year. So Yeah, for sure. He'll get it going. It really comes down to With him, to- Soroka freed, and then hopefully Gauzy gets it going. and Right. It really maybe comes... Newcomb pushes Julio and maybe someone's got to go to the bullpen eventually though whether it's Tukey, Newcomb, Julio, that's the Bryce Wilson, Kyle Wright. That's the question you got to ask yourself, right?
0: Is someone's got to go to the bullpen? Well, someone's got to go to the bullpen, and someone's probably got to be traded for bullpen pieces. Is that Adam Duvall? Adam Duvall, Ender Ciarte. Right. I mean, that's that's got to be a question you ask right now because. Uh, you know, you feel good about your bench. You feel you feel good pretty much about everything, with the exception of of your bullpen. You got to do more. Blevins isn't the only answer. You got to do more to to improve that bullpen. So, I think we'll see something. I think we'll see some moves happen in the near future, before the deadline.
1: I texted Instagram the other day. It's going to be Adam Duvall to the Giants because the Giants have the best bullpen in the league. But they have zero outfielders, basically. Mm. And Adam Duvall was originally drafted by the Giants. I don't think that really plays into... Uh, no, it's just it's all just part of science. Well, science? Yeah, science. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Please <laughs> continue your scientific works, analysis. He's got nine home runs right now. He's like fifth in all of minor league baseball. Perfect time to trade him.
0: Oh, yeah, his value is never going to be higher, probably. He, he's on a really uh, incredible run. And, you know, the Giants are probably going to wind up being in the in the cellar or close to the cellar in the NL West. Um, yeah, no, I think – and Anthopoulos has said this too. I mean, he has lied many times before, but he's, he's said that, you know, we're looking to, uh, you know, potentially make moves sooner rather than later in the bullpen, and he did make a move from Levin. So they know it's a problem. They, yeah, like no one is, is – They're not blind. Yeah, like especially when people, you know, in the crowd are chanting, we want Kimbrel or Kimbrel, Kimbrel, Kimbrel. He's hearing that. He's hearing that. So, I mean, th- something's going to happen. Hopefully that brings some significant pieces in here, whether that be, I don't think it will be Kimbrel, but if it's Kimbrell or whoever else, I think there's going to be multiple pieces added to the bullpen at some point in the near future. So. I've been saying that
1: for about five months, though.
0: Yeah, but I think now that you're seeing what's happening, uh, now that we have a, a decent enough sample size, I think that becomes more of a reality now. That is the hope, at least from my standpoint. But I personally am trying to stay very even keeled about this baseball team because there's no point in, in, in freaking out about a team that is that Luke Jackson's your best reliever. No disrespect to him, but like he he's been he's been very good. But can you really th- you really say that Luke Jackson is your best reliever and you have a chance to like make a deep playoff run? Probably not. So until we actually do something more. I'm not going to start freaking out, honestly. I'm trying to stay very even-tempered. It's also freaking May 2nd or 3rd.
1: I like this new gram.
0: Yeah. I mean, there's no... I mean, good God. Sometimes you got to mature as a a human being. (laughs) Um, So we're going on the road for a while, Adam. We're going to Miami, Dodgers, Arizona. Uh, It's a little West Coast trip going to be happening over the next uh, couple weeks. If we get swept in Miami... Then we got to panic a I, I think you hit the panic <laughs> yeah. point because you're going against a Dodgers team that's been very good. Arizona obviously was a big problem when they came here. So, uh, yeah, if you get, you know, what's going to jumpstart us? Sorry to cut oh, you. Oh no, it's fine. Um, we're supposed to face Urania. Oh yes, on Friday, Friday yes. night. Yeah, tomorrow or today when you guys will be listening to us. Yeah, we are facing Urania. That's got to get you pumped. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Acuna's. Couple jacks, maybe. Yeah, he, he kills the Marlins, so yeah. maybe this will be a good series for him to get yeah. get going again. Get it going, and then try to sneak two out of three in LA. Sure, that would be ideal. But I don't think there's anything else really happening in the world of Atlanta sports, Adam. Uh, anything Anything else you want to share with the users? Um, draft lottery in two weeks. Very Ooh. important night for the Hawks. For, uh,
1: yeah, for the Hawks. Um, could shape our
0: future. Big time.
1: Big time. Uh,
0: Difference between Zion and no Zion.
1: Yeah, potential to be one of the greatest nights in Atlanta sports history.
0: Yeah, if we got him, I I don't know what I'd do. I think I'd probably take my shirt off and streak down the street wherever I am. Just shirtless, not pantless? No, maybe I'll go pantless, depending on where we are.
1: Okay, that's fair. Yeah, um, that
0: would be so huge unless Schlink trades it for like a we, second round pick or <laughs> yeah.
1: something and yeah, then we don't
0: 22nd round picks for the next 10 years to yeah. every trade yeah, um, for sure.
1: So that's coming up United are being very um mediocre.
0: They beat Dallas but whatever.
1: So, yeah, we'll we'll we'll, we'll touch on the United here in a little while, but yeah. tonight's not the night. Tonight's not the night. Also curious to see what this United fan base does with the mediocre team. Yeah. We'll just throw that out there as a teaser. Oh.
0: I like it. Yeah. Big cliffhanger. Well, until next time, folks, thank you for listening. Rise up, chop on, stand Brotherhood, unite and conquer. Remain true to Atlanta. Hospitometer soup.
1: Hospitometer sip.